This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mets in a 3 nothing hold of the Pittsburgh Pirates in the fifth inning. Good luck mustering up three runs the way this offense has been going. So things not looking good in Metland. Braves are out on the West Coast tonight. They're opening up a two-game set in Oakland against the lowly, crummy A's. 9.40 start time. But you know what? Atlanta doesn't have problems with the bad teams. It's just that the Mets are all of a sudden. And the Mets play bad teams the rest of the season. Nothing more, nothing less. Also, get me on Twitter, at Dan Grouse, at G-R-A-C-A. Um, just, you know, a, a couple of more things on Judge and the pursuit of 61 and the home run chase. I think it does mean more, as I said, because he's a Yankee and what it would mean. I, I mean, we've seen guys, you know, have special seasons and go into free agency. Like, you remember once upon a time, what Carlos Beltran did for the Houston Astros in 2004 when he got traded over there and helping getting them um, you know, to the playoffs, and he won then just an incredible tear. And he's a free agent, and he gets the bag from the New York Mets in free agency. And you, know, you think about what Aaron Judge is going to be able to secure once he hits the open market this offseason. But he was asked yesterday if he gets caught up in all of his individual accomplishments. I got nothing for you. It's, you know, just trying to do what I can every single day. You know, show up to work prepared, ready to go, and you know, do whatever it takes to help our team get a win. You know, today, you know, that's you know, me moving a guy over, driving a guy in, you know, making a play on defense. That's that's what I'm focused on. You know, the, all the individual awards, accolades, stats that you kind of get throughout the year, it's all based on how well you help the team out. You know, so if I'm out out there helping the team every single day, you know, that, the stats, all that kind of stuff will show up. And what about his manager? Aaron Boone was asked if he's keeping a watchful eye on what Judge is doing in terms of his assault on the record books. How can you not? I understand t- today's 54, right? Sure, I'm aware of that. He's just so equipped for it. You know, I just kind of enjoy watching just what a great player he is. And uh, for he and I and the rest of the, you know, it's like, what can we do to get a win today? So that's kind of where it I'm aware he's got 54. I'm aware of the history of the game. I love this game. I love all the history uh, of it. So I'm certainly aware of that. But for us, it's about the context of the game and and just trying to win. I don't see how you can. And you know, obviously, Aaron Boone is a guy who grew up in the game. You know, it's 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 in his that it's his family business, right? His grandfather, his father, brothers. You know, all major leaguers. Right, so that's all he knows. We're talking about baseball. He probably has certainly a, a greater appreciation for something like this. Even though, as a manager, you want to sit there and you want to throw out all the cliches about you know, oh, it's you know, team first, and if he's helping us win games, that's the important thing, and blah blah blah. You know, team becomes or you know, it carries a greater importance over the individual and all those type of things. But he gets it, and you'd have to be a fool not to. I mean, think back to how you felt. I mean, I don't know how many of you were around for 1961. I, I certainly wasn't. But think back to how you felt in 1998 and before 1998. Because as a kid, like any time somebody went on one of those crazy run, you know, went on a tear with the home runs, and then you got to May, and then you got to June, and you started to think to yourself, like, oh, you know, and you start to project out. Like, oh, wait, well, if, you, if he hits this many, then he might get 61. Because that was the record. Like, that was the sacred mark that you wanted to see if it would be able to hold up or not, right? And any time somebody was, like, having a crate, you know, if they had, like, 30 home runs by the All-Star break, you're like, oh, wow, I mean, this might happen. 
And it, like, dominated the conversation for you in the summer. And you constantly, like, checked it every single day. And this was before, like, the Internet days when you had all that information, you know, that now you have at the palm of your hand as soon as somebody hits one out of the ballpark. I remember Ken Griffey Jr. in 94. And that was the year of the player strike, which, you know, the season got halted there at the end of August. But remember, he had 40 home runs. And back then, there was a lot of talk about, oh, man, is, is Griffey going to be there? Because everybody thought that Griffey was eventually going to be the guy anyway with that sweet swing, and it was so effortless and the raw power and just so natural. You know, he made it look easy. That Griffey was always going to be that one to break the, um, the Roger Maris record, and then maybe even one day the, the, the Hank Aaron record. And, you know, injuries got in the way of his career, of course, and then it never happened. But, you know, when 98 took place, it's funny because – for the majority of the year, I don't think that we, and I say we meaning, you know, overall baseball fans, we were consumed by steroids and performance-enhancing drugs and so on and so forth. Because remember, that this type of stuff was happening for the previous couple of years. You know, the steroid era began kind of like in the mid-90s. And you started to see these guys hit to have these crazy seasons when it came to the power numbers. And then McGuire and Sosa just took it to a whole new level in 1998. That's exactly what happened. But as the chase was going on, you didn't allow yourself to think about PEDs or anything like that. You said, wow, a record that was sacred for so many years looks like it might tumble. And remember Fox actually like televised that game? You know, the Cardinal-Cub game when McGuire, there was a chance that he was going to break the record. And, you know, you all got to see it on national TV off of Steve Traxel, the line drive home run. And you thought you were witnessing history, right? Just like a few years before that when we saw Cal Ripken break the Lou Gehrig record for playing in consecutive games. It was history. You know, things that we maybe never thought were ever going to fall, and they did. But then it was like afterwards when... Bond started doing his thing. And then when, when Bonds had his big year and, you know, kept hitting all these home runs and do that, I admit, was not the same. It just wasn't because of those that came before him. And as legend would have it, you know, what spurred Bonds to go out and, you know, take part in performance enhancing drugs and do all these things to, to, you know, give himself a better chance to succeed was because he was watching what happened in 1998. And he saw McGuire and Sosa getting all these accolades and people throwing bouquets at them. And meantime, here you had Bonds, who was already a how-many-times MVP before 1998, right? He had won three MVPs already. A guy was on the fast track to the Hall of Fame doing things we would like to believe naturally at that point and not getting anywhere near the attention that those other guys were getting. Where I mean, they were on, you know, there was national news. You know, the morning shows were leading with this stuff. As it was getting closer and closer. Never what Bonds was doing, right? Bonds was just the guy who was a really good baseball player. Anybody who watched the games, everybody knew that, okay, this was, you know, arguably one of the top two or three guys in all of baseball. And it had, of course, an effect on him and what he was able to do. And the rest is history. But that's why I think, like, if Judge is able to accomplish something like this, it would be different. You know, you would feel that sense of pure behind it all because you know that it's happening legitimately at least we'd like to think that it's happening legitimately and it's a guy who was wearing the same uniform that Roger Maris wore and he's just taking it in stride remember Roger Maris like back then if you know the story people didn't want him to break this record number one he wasn't Mickey Mantle his own teammate 
who was way more popular than he is, who was the matinee idol, you know, the icon, all those things. You know, Maris was the guy who people were kind of rooting against. I don't want to say the media was out to get him or whatnot, but it took its toll on Maris. You know, he even admitted years later, I mean, his hair would be falling out during that season with all the stress and strain of having to go through stuff like that. And, you know, he ultimately got it done. And I don't think those things are going to happen to Judge, obviously. And I think that, you know, the majority of the people, I think, want to have it happen. And they want to see it. No knock on Roger Maris, but it's history. It would be the most impressive home run hitting season in the history of the American League. And think about this. It's over a century. A century. The heck with what's going to happen to him in the offseason and how much money it's going to potentially net him. It would just be cool for sports. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Let's say out to Richard. He's in Manhattan. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Richard, how are you? Hi, Dan. Dan, you know, I got to tip my hat to Aaron Boone these last two games, Sunday and Monday. He made, I counted, seven pitching changes, and all seven worked out. Even the changes he didn't make, like he left Holmes in on Sunday, even though he was getting hit hard, he came in for the save. And every every move he made with the pitching staff last uh, the last two games was perfect. So my only, I would have questioned taking Montaz out uh, after five innings. Uh, he had only given up one hit, no walks. So he faced uh, 16 batters. You know what that, that is, Richard? Yeah. That's called living to see another day. Having a guy who's been scuffling a bit since he got here in Montez, having him feel good about himself. That's what yeah. that is. Leave on a high note. He wasn't that happy in the dugout, Montez. I think he wanted to go a little more. 93 pitches. Uh, one thing I got to ask you about. Yeah. I don't see this. Mm-hmm. Analytics. Mm-hmm. Yankees twice on Sunday had first and second no out. Twice. The batter up, it doesn't matter the name of the player, is hitting 210. Now, I'm hearing that you don't want to give up an out by bunting. First of all, there's no guarantee you're going to give up that out. There's always a chance the team can fumble a ball, something happens. We don't know what's going to happen. But if you're hitting 210, you don't need to bunt to make an out. You've been making out five out of four out of five times. 210 is one out of five. I mean, how the heck can you let a guy swing away first and second and say you don't want him to make an out? You don't want to give up and out because he, he's hitting 210, Dan. How does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? Richard, I, I really, I, I got to be honest I with you. One more point, too, before I, you hang up. R- one more. Get, to the, get to the other point real quick now. Hurry up. Good. Football. Yeah. I hate the college football tie rule. I hate it. I, and secondly, I don't like these kids playing extra time. That guy, the coach of LSU, tied the game. An unbelievable feat. FSU gave them the game. They marched down in their home – well, they weren't in their home stadium, their home state. Essentially a home they, game, yeah. Right. Essentially a home game. The crowd is going wild. They got the touchdown. If you go into overtime, it's 50-50. If you go for the two-point play, it's almost 50-50. Why do you leave your team out there to get to make – have a good chance of getting hurt? To get out there, leave the fans in the stands for another half hour, 45 minutes, to suffer through more of the game. You can win it right then and there or lose it right then and there. Why don't you do it that way? I don't understand it. Instead, you're putting your team to further challenge, to further uh, injure themselves by playing longer games. I, you know, Richard, I, I appreciate it, and I thank you for the phone call. I, I, you, know, you sound like a labor lawyer or something like that. I, I mean, they're trying to win the game. 
you know, if you if you watch that LSU Florida State game, as I said, LSU had no business losing that game because if you just if if you line up LSU's players in just a short you know shorts and a t-shirt on one side of the field, and you lined up Florida State's players in shorts and a t-shirt without any school name on it, helmets, anything at all. And, you know, one team had the letter A on their T-shirts. The other team had the letter B. The LSU side is much more physically imposing. All right? They're the better team. they got better players. FSU has been down on their luck for so long. All right? He figures, first of all, making an extra point should not be that difficult. All right? And I know that they botched it even earlier, but you make an extra point, you tie the game, you go to overtime. Then it's a 0-0 game. You are the team that is supposed to be able to exert your will. You got the more physical squad. I think that was the mentality. And remember, Florida State just choked away an opportunity to end the game. They fumbled the damn ball inside the five-yard line. They could have basically taken a knee on it. Taken a knee, and they would have had a better chance to just end the game. And then they let LSU go 96 yards down the field. The momentum had completely, completely shifted in LSU's favor. Brian Kelly probably thought we go to overtime, we're winning this game. You know, the ESPN probability or win probability would have probably been like 95% LSU if that game got to overtime, but it didn't. And as far as what you were talking about on Sunday's game, I can't remember Sunday's game. I mean, I didn't even watch Sunday's game. I'll be totally honest with you. I was at the U.S. Open. I mean, the Yankees played another game after Sunday. Who, Richard, come on, buddy. I, I know you love this stuff, but you got to move past Sunday, you know? I mean, if you want to talk about Monday even, I would have been okay with it because they didn't play today. But, my God, Sunday, let's not worry about Sunday. It's over. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We come back. Let's switch gears. Let's talk a little football, will you? And explain to me, explain to me why in the hell the national media thinks the New York Jets are going to be hot garbage in 2022. It's the Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
better because it has to be. I don't even think it's worth talking about the Mets, to be quite honest with you. They're losing 4 nothing right now in the sixth inning. I was telling the guys, like, the way this game's going, and because they started at 6.30, they'll be done before we're even off the air tonight. So I'll save my comments on the Mets until the game goes final because if it continues to trend in the direction it's heading, believe me, you're not going to want to miss it. So I'll reserve judgment until uh, we get through the next few winnings, and I don't see things changing too much. Anyway, let's talk some football, right? Thank goodness it's here. Finally, finally, we've got the season. 48 48 hours from now, you and I, we're going to be sitting here, we're going to be doing the show, and the season is going to be kicked off already with the Buffalo Bills and the L.A. Rams from SoFi Stadium. Cannot wait for it to start. And, of course, our teams get going on Sunday. Jets-Ravens, MetLife Stadium, 1 o'clock, pregame right here on 98.7 with Buttle and myself at 11 a.m., but the thing with the Jets, you know, and we talked about it all throughout the summertime, how, you know, the overall perception of this team is just not very good. And I don't understand really why that is. You know, you look at the over-under numbers from Vegas. You know, they got this team at five and a half. Five and a half. I would think that would be one of the easier slam dunks if you are a betting man. And you want to make an over-under wager about the upcoming season. But, like, the more and more you kind of just, like, you know, because we're within days of the season starting, so everybody's going out there and making their predictions and forecasts for the upcoming season. But you look at it from a Jets perspective, and the stuff that people are saying about them, you would think you would be more inclined to hear about them the Giants. Right? The Giants are that team that, Really didn't do much this offseason because Gettleman left them in cap hell. They got a new coach. They got a new GM. They're really not made to win yet. You hope they're going to be competitive. You hope they're going to be good. But they're not a made-to-win team in the football Giants just now. They could surprise, but they got work to do. Jets have been at this thing now two, three years, building up the roster to the point where now you look at it on paper and you say, all right, they got some talent on this club now. They should be better. They took their lumps over the last two years, and specifically last year with the new coaching staff in place for the first time around. That you want to see and you expect to see significant improvement. And I'm not trying to sit here and tell you the Jets are winning the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. But when you look around, and like ESPN and the power rankings, they got the Jets 30th in the NFL. 30th I mean like what planet let me tell you something if the Jets are the 30th best team in the NFL this year there's going to be a lot a lot of changes in Florham Park when it's all said and done a lot of changes because nothing nothing at all that has been done this offseason was done with the frame of mind that, hey, let's just be the 30th best team in the league. You weren't even the 30th. You were, what, the 29th best team last year because you had the fourth pick in the draft, right? So now you're telling me that they're going to be worse? The so-called experts are telling me the Jets are going to be worse than they were last year? Pro football talk, I got to see their rankings today, and they have the Jets 31st? I mean, guys... 
I understand that they haven't given you much of a leg to stand on over the last few years, right? They've been the worst team in the NFL in the last, what, five, six years. So they have, don't exactly have that equity to inspire a lot of confidence, right? Show me, don't tell me. And fans are probably sick and tired of hearing it. But, I mean, enough is enough is enough. I, I mean, like, it's almost like you're damaging your credibility. If you're going to say they're going to be the 31st best team in the NFL or, you know, the second worst team in the NFL, the Houston Texans are going to be the only, according to Pro Football Talk, Houston Texans are the only team in the NFL worse than the Jets. Chicago Bears, who are god-awful. God-awful. By the way, everybody who's high on Justin Fields, good luck seeing him produce this year with the cast of characters that he has around him. Thanks to that front office and the decisions they've made over the last couple of years. They got the Bears ahead of the Jets, the Jaguars ahead of the Jets. I guess they were seduced by the fact that the Jaguars went out there and gave out crummy contract after crummy contract all offseason, like giving Christian Kirk way more money than he's worth the wide receiver from Arizona. The Detroit Lions are going to be better than the Jets, according to Pro Football Talk. Detroit Lions because they were on hard knocks, I guess, you know. Dan Campbell's a big, tough guy. Giants are going to be better than the Jets. One, two, three, five places better than the Jets. The Falcons are going to be better than the Jets. Too bad. I, I, I didn't see. I was there in Florham Park. I didn't see anybody from Pro Football Talk at the joint scrimmages between the Falcons and the Jets when you had the two teams with their starters going up against each other on the same patch of grass. One team was thoroughly controlling the other. And it wasn't the team from Atlanta. But Atlanta's going to be six spots better than the Jets overall. Um, Seattle, Seattle, which is basically telling the world, Geno Smith is our starting quarterback this year because we want to draft our next franchise quarterback next April. But yet Seattle is considerably higher than the New York Jets. Um, the commanders, the commanders who might have more subpoenas than wins this year. In that organization. They're a lot higher than the Jets are. Um, the Panthers, unless you think Baker Mayfield's going to carry that team on his back, I, I don't see them being substantially better, but they think they're better than the Jets. Point being made, the disrespector, and I don't know if Robert Sala is a big locker room motivator guy, trash talk guy, bulletin board material guy, I don't know if that's Robert Sala's style. i got to be quite honest with you. But if he's looking for it, if he's got to inspire the troops before that game on Sunday against Baltimore and really throughout the rest of this season, guess what? You got plenty of it right there. Open up your favorite web browser, whatever the heck those guys use over there in Florham Park, and go to any of these websites, whether it's ESPN, Pro Football Talk, the NFL, whatever national outlet and see what the consensus is for this football team this year, there's your bulletin board material. Guys, if you would have told me last year when the Jets were coming off of a two-win season in 20 and they were starting over and they were playing basically 12-year-olds at some spots on their starting defense, i.e. the secondary, then I would have believed you a little bit and said, oh, yeah, you know, it's, they're going to take their lumps this year. And starting a rookie quarterback, yeah, they're going to take their lumps. It might be a long year. But I guess they were hibernating all offseason. And I guess they haven't taken a look at, you know, the roster that they've accumulated on paper. I, I just – and I understand you got to go win the games, guys. I do. And I know that they haven't been good for the last five years. 
But if this team is the second-to-worst team in the NFL when it is all said and done and they have the second pick in the draft come April, something will have gone astronomically wrong. Astronomically wrong. Like 20 of the 22 week one starters would have to suffer season-ending injuries like before November. And they would have to sign guys off the street for something like that to happen. I'm not saying Super Bowl. Hell, I'm not even sitting here guaranteeing you playoffs. But I am guaranteeing you improvement. And I sure as hell am guaranteeing you it ain't going to be as bad as what some of these yo-yos are forecasting. Let's get your take next. 800-919-3776. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Talking Jets, expectations for the season, why they're so laughably low when you look at the national media and what they expect from this team. Uh, The other big question in Jetland more than anything else is, well, who the quarterback is going to be on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. I said it to the, the guys at the end of the K show when I joined them earlier, if you heard it or not. Um, I've been saying it since Zach got hurt. I, I would be shocked if Joe Flacco's not the guy in week one, just because I think the Jets are going to be super careful, super cautious of getting him back 100% because they don't want to keep playing this game to where, okay, if he comes back and then somehow like re-aggravates it, then he's going to have to miss two more weeks because every time you hit start and stop on this progression development process with Zach Wilson, you're stunting his growth as a quarterback. So, they want to make sure probably that – and any team would probably want to do the same thing. Once he's healthy and once he's back in, he's in for good. And there's not going to be anything that's going to keep him out of the lineup or having to take him out of the lineup here. So, look, Flacco knows Baltimore. Baltimore knows him. It works both ways. I just think they're going to let it ride with Joe in week one. You hope that Zach will be ready to go for week two, which would be a v- – a lot more winnable game against the Cleveland Browns than it would have been, let's say, if Deshaun Watson was the starting quarterback. But I guess they're going to make it official tomorrow, supposedly. Robert Sala, that's what he told the guys. But uh, they asked him on the Michael K. show during his uh, weekly spot earlier today on what Zach Wilson's status is for Sunday. All right, so are you going to go by the decision of discretion is the better part of valor and it's better to sit him down and just have Joe Flacco play the game or if he is, in fact, ready that you want him out there? Yeah, it's, I'm going to stand by what we talked about. You know, it's a, if if he feels 100% and everything checks out, he's going to play. So, 
it just uh, all depends on tomorrow. I would be, like I said, I would be surprised if um, it's not Joe Flacco. And I, I'm just basing it on what I said the, the minute he got hurt against the Philadelphia Eagles, that they were just going to be super cautious with this whole thing. And remember the timeline, right? Four to six weeks or whatever it was. You know, I, I thought that it might even be the first two games. But for this week, first time out of the gate, I, I, I just think it's going to be the veteran. And it's going to be Joe Flacco. But we'll all get our answers officially tomorrow. Let's say hi to Lee. He's in Brooklyn. Up next, Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Lee. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Sorry about that. My phone done basically went to some other thing. Hold up one second. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, no, hey, no problem. Do you need a, uh, we'll maybe get uh, a magazine uh, or get something. Your, get your speaker. Got some, uh, I got two on the Bluetooth thing. Turn it off. All right. There it goes. There we go. All right, so. You're talking about the Jets. How you doing tonight, anyway? Good, Lee. What's going on? Thanks for calling. You're welcome. Yeah, so this thing about this Jet situation, you know, you know, this is a ongoing every year type situation that we go through. The Jets are a good team. Don't don't get me wrong. These guys are professionals. They they work out. They've been to college. They they go to training. They, you know, the coaches have been in the league for years. Um, they they they, they, they you know they overseen games. They coach games. But then you got other teams as well that are in more of a position, uh, a better position to be able to win. So we're not going to knock the Jets like they're a good team. And at the end of the day, they're going to play teams that are just as good or better. And they're also going to play teams that, as they say, um, the picks are for the year, are teams that basically expected to go to get close to the Super Bowl. So the Jets might not be one of those teams that, you know, that people are picking. As a matter of fact, um, who do you have going to the Super Bowl anyway this year? I haven't finalized my pick yet. We'll do it over the next couple of days. Don't worry. We'll do it by Thursday when the season starts. No value to his horrible team. Lee, we're going to have to let you go because there's too many sounds coming out of the phone, the Bluetooth. I don't know what's happening with the, the technology there, uh, but I appreciate the phone call. I, I, I You kind of lost me a little bit with some of the things you were saying, to be honest with you. Um, I, what's the logic and the rationale for thinking the Falcons are going to be better than the Jets or the Seahawks, for example? Right? I mean, the Chicago, like, the Chicago Bears, the only reason you're not putting them dead last is because you think that Justin Fields is this unbelievable talented quarterback. That, that's what it's telling me. You know, and there's a lot of Justin Fields fans out there. But he didn't really show it all that much last year, did he? And don't be surprised, as I said, with the cast of characters he has around him this year in Chicago, they have set him up for potential failure. They have stripped that thing down completely. Nick is in Binghamton. He's up next. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Nick, how are you? Dan, great. It's great to talk to you. I've been listening to you and Marty on Sundays for years. What's up, Nick? Love you guys. Well, I, I, first of all, like it got to be Flacco. Has to be. Um, Zach probably needs the reps, even if he's okay. Like just like a little bit more practice. That's my opinion. Two quick questions. Um, the Douglas, I, I, I mean, he, he ain't that bad. I think he, he's pretty good. And and if if our record, I'll eat my hat if our record is that bad. By the way, but if our record is that low. Wouldn't have to be like you have to look at Salah, right? I don't like saying it, but you'd have to. And how do you split up the like Douglas and, and Salah? You just can't do it. I mean, I don't know. I, 
just another year of this uh, craziness. Well, Nick, I guess. I, obviously you don't want it to happen, and, and I thank you for the phone call. He, he, I'll, I'll say it again, and you're right. Nobody wants it to happen. But if the, if the season goes as poorly as some of these outside expectations forecast they're going to go, there's going to be changes. Because there really is, as I said, there's no explanation or there's no rhyme or reason for it to be that bad. This team should be better. This team was put together this season with the intent to improve upon what we've seen over the last few years. Right? And I know that there's different ways to skin a cat, and I know that teams struggle for a variety of reasons and, you know, injuries being first and foremost. I get all that stuff here. But you can best believe that if this team wins like four games again, or five games, they're going to look long and hard at the end of the year and, 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 and examine what are we doing because it shouldn't be that bad again. And I'm not saying it's even the front office. I'm not saying it's necessarily the coaching staff. But those are going to get the majority of the evaluation. And, oh, by the way, what's the most important position on the field? You guessed it. You know, how is the quarterback going to play this year? I'll tell you this, if you're a fan, because I don't know if you could put necessarily like a number, right? I don't know if you can put a number on that type of stuff. Like what counts as progress? What counts as improvement? But if I were to say to you, like this is hypothetically, if I were to say, you know, they'll win six or seven games, tops which, you know, might be the reality. Six or seven games, but the quarterback at the end of the year proves to you that he is indeed a legit quarterback that you're moving forward with and a guy that you think can lead you to where you want to get to. Can you really ask for more than that if you're a Jet fan? I mean, I'll even sit here and I, I, I could even almost challenge that Zach Wilson's performance this year and his development this year might even be more important, as important as the overall wins and losses record. Right? I mean, how many games do you see quarterbacks go out there, they play great, but yet you still don't walk off the field a winner for a variety of reasons? Or there's times, you know, it works both ways. Quarterback plays poor, you could still win a game. But if the quarterback plays really good this year and you only win six or seven, I think you take that. I think you take that because now you know you got an answer to that position that you don't have to go digging in the draft and you don't have to get creative or move up or move down, and then you can continue to fill out some other needs on that roster. That's a big if. Big if. And staying healthy and getting healthy is going to be the first step in that process of him maybe answering some of those questions at the quarterback position. Ira's in Staten Island. He's up next, talking a little Jets, 98.7 ESPN. What's up, I? Hey, what's happening, Big Dan? What's going on? Doing good, so, doing good. Yeah. So I agree with you. We talked about the quarterback thing. You know, I don't talk about that no more. We know where we're headed. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know what the deal is with these stupid rankings, and I get it. I respect people have to do this for a living. I get it. But around the nation – they're not dialed in like you or myself or anybody else who gets the opportunity to watch some practice and see what the organization does. So some guy in Oklahoma who writes for national media says, okay, oh, the Jets, oh, my God, they had a couple of draft picks. Oh, they probably got a couple of Vernon Golsons. You know, the Jets have had this stigma of, oh, the Jets, the same old Jets. You know, they've lost for 10 years. You know, they had one decent year. 
why should they be any better? So the people who aren't dialed in, they just throw it in. They're one of the worst teams in the league. And that's why they end up with these type of rankings. These rankings to me mean nothing. Okay, at the end of the day, you know what they've done. I know what they've done. If what they planned out and the vision that Douglas and Salah have, if things work out the right way, this team will be a successful season this year. And you know what's funny, too, about that, Ira? And you're, and you're so right. And I understand these things are what they are. And believe me, I've been at this long enough to know that not everybody is as dialed in as they claim to be when it comes to maybe what they should be dialed into. But isn't it funny, and that's why it's so hypocritical, the whole thing, that, what, four months ago or whenever we just got done with the draft, that everybody and their mother nationally who does these, you know, quick reaction draft grades, gave the Jets all A's and A-pluses for the job that Joe Douglas did in this draft. So you're telling me the same yo-yos that said they aced the draft are going to be on, uh, go out on the field this year and they're going to be the second-to-worst team in the league? How does that work? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. They went out there, they saw the highlight of Zach throwing a preseason interception. Oh, right. oh by the way, these draft picks are. They're not going to work out so the Jets are 31st in the league. I mean, give me a break. I hope they all eat their words. And listen, looking forward to talking to you and Greg after we beat the Ravens on Sunday. Hey, Ira, from your lips, my friend. And thank you for the phone call. You know, nothing, nothing. I know that one game is not a make or break. And I know, you know, you can win week one and then lose. Hey, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple of years ago. In, in, in what was it, in 2020, right? They won week one and then lost out the remaining 15 games and went one in 15. So week one don't really mean anything, but... You want to get one. You want to get one under your belt. And especially this team, when you consider that they've lost how many consecutive games in the month of September? Last time they won a September game was Sam Darnold's NFL debut on that Monday night in Detroit, if you can believe it. It's been that far. Jets will be a better team, folks. It's the bottom line. They're going to be a better team. Super Bowl? Of course not. Playoffs? Still got some work to do there. But one of the bottom feeders in the league? Not on my watch. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Let's say hi to Richard, our buddy in Jacksonville. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Richard, how we doing? Yeah. Hey, man, I'm doing great. It's great to see you uh, in a full-time slot. You deserve it, man. You're the best. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. So let me... Uh, two things. I want to uh, throw some bouquets at Aaron Judge, and then I want to put on my tennis analyst genius hat and talk about Serena for a second. There but real you quick go. On Aaron, on Aaron Judge, man, I got to say, I have never been as impressed by a professional athlete in my entire life with what I'm 57, with what he's doing. And it really is sad that the steroid era has watered down a number where we all know the real number is the 61. That's the legit number. And Danny, the pitching these days, it's not that there's that many famous pitchers, but your average pitcher can throw so much nastier stuff than back in the day that what he's doing is miraculous. Is that, would you agree? Um, fair. Absolutely. hundred percent. And, you know, with this thing about, well, you know, paying him, it's like, well, what if he's hurt? Well, what if he's healthy? Just he's been healthy two seasons. And in both of those seasons, he's hit 50. <laughs> like, what if this guy gets healthy, and he's not just a home run hitter. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is he not a five-tool player? He's, he's phenomenal. 
he's well. When you say five tool player, I mean, is he a guy who's going to be? You know, do you think of Judge as necessarily a, a high average hitter? You know, is he a guy who's going to be hitting like three twenty yes. and so on and so forth? Yes. I, I uh, do. I'll tell you why. No, Danny. First of all, he he is a unique player. He is not out there swinging from the heels trying to hit home runs. He well, really the only year he's, he really, this is his only year where he's hit three hundred and he's only hitting three oh two. I mean, he's yeah, he's, he's like a four and a half. How's that? He's like a four and a half guy. All right. Well, I, I think he can hit for. I think he can hit for average. But either way, so that's that. It's, but Rich, but real quick screen, too, when you when you have a guy yeah. who's a big power hitter, generally they're not going to be high average hitters. You know, because when right. you're hitting for power and stuff like that, unfortunately, sometimes it comes at the expense of right, your average. But, but, but let, let me ask you this: If Judge mm. is up with a runner on second base, don't you trust him more than your average? home run hitter to like do what needs to be done to get the guy in like this year yeah, absolutely I, yeah he's a, okay so anyhow on to serena look I, I coached tennis for many years up to the pro level uh and i gotta say i i try not to be a hater and i i do i will say serena's the greatest of all time but danny the, the level of play on the women's tour i mean the thought of roger federer being able to come back on a whim 30 pounds out of shape and decide to like, he would get crushed by the number one or two player in the world. If you tried to play them now, like Serena, I mean, just to have the option to show up and play at the new, at the open, uh, you don't have that option on the men's tour. Nobody. I mean, the level of play right now, look what happened on the men's tour the last couple of days, the number 22 guy beat the number one guy, the number 23 guy beat the number two guy. And these are great players. I mean, you know, uh, Tiapo, and um, and what's his name? Uh, Kyrios. I mean, these are these are great players, and right. they they're only in the twenties. So the men's tour is like phenomenal, and I just think is Serena is the greatest of all time. But the separation between her serve and all these other women's serve is so dramatic that it's almost like I don't even know if they're playing the same sport. I mean, did you see some of the? Did you get to see some of her matches? At of the course, open. I watched them all. I mean, Rich, you know I'm a tennis so, guy. I watched every single I, one, and, and I thank you for the phone call. I got I to gotta hit the break, Rich, but get back to us soon. I appreciate it. And, look, it's it's not that you're hating, right, because a lot of the things you're saying make sense. They are. And, you know, I'm a tennis guy. Richard's a tennis guy. And, and I'll just say it, right? I mean, the Serena story was a great story. It's a great sports story. You know, you put it out there on ESPN, for example, who do a great job covering the Open, and it's going to get, like, national headlines and national acclaim. And certainly an American, the American Grand Slam, everything went hand-in-hand there. But anybody who knows the sport and, and, you know, follows it, realistically, I told you even before the tournament started, it's not like she was going to go on this run and win it. And, I mean, yeah, the, the the state of the women's game, there has been a lot of turnover. I mean, go back and check the Grand Slams over the last three years. There is a lot of variety there. There are a lot of different Grand Slam winners. You don't have the dominance. You don't have somebody really dominating the Grand Slams and dominating tennis since Serena did it. You know, she beat the number two ranked player in the world who was not matched tough yet to be number two in the world and beat a player like Serena who hasn't played in over a year pretty much. And was not in her prime shape at 40 years of age. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.